Good morning. Welcome to the Christian Church of Estes Park. Did you know we're disciples of Jesus that build disciples of Jesus? My name is Aaron, the lead pastor. I'm grateful that you guys are here with us today. We're starting our new series, uh, Powerful Faith, and uh, should be very good. In a couple of weeks, we have our annual meeting. We're going to talk about the vision that God has given us. And over the last few months, as we've been putting together the strategy and, and finalizing that and all that, it became a very apparent to me even from the very beginning that what God has called us to do is huge. I mean, it's bigger than us. And uh, it's going to require faith, but not just faith, but a real faith, a powerful faith. And so uh, with you've joined us in our Bible reading. This is our first week. Last week was our first week in doing that. And so this week, as we went through Genesis, you read about this guy named Abraham. And uh, so you read his life story. And I think yesterday you finished it, got to hear what God did in his life. And Abraham, and through Scripture, is known as a man of, of great faith, the father of faith, powerful faith. And so what we're going to be doing the next four weeks is we're going to be looking at the life of Abraham for examples. What does it look like? What's the difference between faith and a powerful faith? How is it that Abraham was able to receive the promise all the way through? And uh, so that's pretty much what we're going to be doing. And uh, so today we're going to be talking about really some of the fundamentals, the prerequisites of a very powerful faith. Um, But before we get to that, of course, we have our Bible memory verse that we do for each series. And the memory verse... I uh, stayed away from Genesis from this one. I decided to go to the Gospel of uh, Matthew. And uh, this is what Jesus said. We're going to memorize a passage that is often uh, misused, unfortunately, when talking about faith. And so we're going to accurately use it, talk about the way that faith is actually supposed to be applied, powerful faith. The context of this passage, of course, before we memorize it, we want to know what Jesus is talking about. In the Gospel, uh, Jesus had just sent his disciples out to cast out demons and to heal people and things like he'd given them authority to do that. And things were going along pretty good, but then they came across this guy who uh, he had, uh, his son actually had this demon in him that was very stubborn and would give him into like these seizures and things like that. And the kid would uh, throw himself into bad things like fire and stuff like that. And as a parent, of course, the father was terrified and I'm sure that the son was terrified as well. And they bring this uh, demon-possessed boy to the apostles and the apostles try to cast out the demon and they can't. And they're perplexed by this. And the father is, is of course, frustrated as well because he sees God's promise for everybody else, but not his son. And so uh, we, you have to read all of the Gospels. You get all of the story. Each one has a little bit more detail in it. But they bring, uh, the father brings the son up to Jesus and is like, hey, what's the deal? Right? Are you not strong enough to take out this demon? Like, what's the deal? And Jesus, he looks at the crowd. He looks at the dad and the kid and with compassion, but he's frustrated. And he says, listen. You know, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say this mountain move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And then Jesus casts out that demon and and it violently shakes and leaves the, the boy and the boy is set free and everything's great. And then later on, the apostles, they come back to Jesus because they're perplexed because they had faith, right? They had faith. They were casting out demons. They saw God's power and they go to Jesus and they're like, why didn't it work? And then Jesus said, well, this kind of demon requires prayer and fasting for it to leave. Now, all of that gives us a context as to what this passage is talking about. It's not if we have enough faith. Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. Every time Jesus said mustard seed, he was talking about the absolute smallest amount possible. Right? He used that as an example of the tiniest little bit. And oftentimes people will misuse this and say, if you just have enough faith, that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's like, even the tiniest amount of faith will do. 
right? What it is is that you recognize the authority that you have. The second thing is how Jesus cast out the demon he explained to the apostles or the disciples. He said, listen, this demon can only leave if you put prayer and fasting, right? God is the one that's got to be at work. So again, the power is not in the disciples. The power is in God, which is why the tiniest amount of faith can do amazing things because the power is in God. The amazing thing is he's given us authority to use that power and how we use that is what we're going to talk about today so we can see the mountains move. Does that make sense? All right, so now you're at context. Let's begin and let's memorize this, set it to our heart, and then we'll go into the life of Abram. So this is what I want you to do. Just say it along with me a few times, all right? So here we go. Three, two, one. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Matthew 17, 20. Oh, and that a powerful, amazing passage. On your connection card, there's a little Bible memory verse you can tear off and take with you. I encourage you to do that. Uh, Take this passage with you and think about it throughout this week, the power of God that's in there. And it's important for us to, uh, the context in that is is huge because when when we misabuse that, or we misuse, when we abuse that passage, it can cause us to have bad doctrine, which leads to crises of faith, Right? But when we understand that passage, it results in an amazing amount of confidence and uh, very power, uh, a lot of power in how we live. So let me give you an example. As you turn to uh, Genesis chapter 12, we're going to talk about Abraham as he does this. I had that passage memorized, um, and I learned it a long time ago when I first became a Christian, way back in, uh, wow, 1992, uh, or when I gave my life to the Lord. And I read that gospel, and I read that passage, and I... Uh, I went outside, full of faith, and uh, where my family lived, we were, you know, right here in town, and, uh, by the corner of Fish Creek and, um, and uh, Carriage Drive, and uh, I walked outside, and I saw Long's Peak, and we don't have the best view of it from there, so I said, Long's Peak, move from here to there, <laughs> and guess what? <laughs> it did move, and I was frustrated with that. Because I was like, and so I was like, well, maybe I read it wrong. And I read the story again. I said, no, it says if I say to that mountain, move from here to there. So I went back outside. I was like, Long's Peak, as though it would help if I yelled. Long's Peak, move from here to there. And it still didn't move. And so then I was in there, I was like, well, okay, faith the size of mustard seed. I must have like half a mustard seed faith or something like that, Right? So that I, I prayed about it. I was like, hey God, can you do that? Yes, you can. Add, you made the world. You made people, right? You've done all kinds of amazing things. You made the mountain. You can have this mountain move. Of course it can move. Yes, it's going to move. I hyped myself up, right? I was like, all right, all right, all right. All the faith, all the faith. And I went out and I was like, not sh- ashamed or anything like that. I had neighbors and stuff, it didn't matter. I stand right by the corner of my lot. I was there. I said, Long Peak, by the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, I command you to move. It says right here, you got to move. Move, mountain, move. And it didn't move. And I was crushed in my spirit. Crisis of faith. I said, if I can read it in here and it doesn't happen, how am I going to trust God for my salvation? Right? Because he says, that's going to happen too. I was really troubled by this. Fortunately, 
as is the word instructs us and encourages us to do, I was being discipled. There was a youth pastor at the time. He was at the Baptist church, and he met me. We used to have a, a pizza hut here in town, and he would meet me there and sat down, and we're talking about the week. He said, how did it go this week? I said, not good. <laughs> right? I was like, you read this. And I, and I said, I went and I told the mountain to move, and it didn't move. <laughs> what's wrong? And he said, well, Aaron, did God tell you to tell Long's Peak to move? Well, maybe. I mean, it says, I don't oh, know, Long's Peak. Did he tell you to, to move Long's Peak? I said, no. <laughs> he said, God doesn't want to move Long's Peak. He has it right there. He said, you know how ridiculous it would be? Like every single five minutes is what would happen. And somebody would come to faith and be like, Long's Peak, move. And people trying to climb it would all fall off and die. It'd be like, oh, there's another Christian, Right? <laughs> He put Long's Peak where he wanted Long's Peak. But if God told me to tell Long's Peak to move, that mountain's moving. That's the difference. It's an issue of authority. What's the authority that God has given us? And then trusting his power in that. And no one, I think, in Scripture really demonstrates that in such a a profound way as, as Abraham which is why we're going to be going through his story these next few days. And uh, so what we're going to be doing is today, we're going to look in just the first part of Abraham's life and talk about the prerequisites of a powerful faith. Not just faith. I had faith, right? I had deep faith. I thought the mountain was going to move. But I didn't have powerful faith. We want to look in the Word of God and say, what is it? What's the difference between just having faith and a faith that truly moves mountains, a, a faith that is powerful? And so, uh, so we'll get to that. Now, as we do that, I want to be, just begin the story of Abraham's life. And in Scripture, he's got two names, Abram and Abraham. God changed his name later on, gave him an H, because that's cool, right? And there's significance to it, but, but we're, I'm just going to call him Abraham today, because so, it's the same guy. And some things, some background about Abraham to understand the significance of his faith. The first thing is Abraham lived 3,500 years ago. Uh, scripture shows us, if you add up the math, the things that you were doing, it, Abraham lived just one generation after Noah died. Right? So the stories of Noah would have been around. Right, He would have known about this guy. It was just one generation removed from that. Of course, a lot of generations in between there came and went. Uh, but also, he lived in this place that was uh, after Noah's flood and then Babel and all that kind of stuff. Society started to grow and civilizations in, that, in the Middle East kind of area, the cradle of civilization. And one of those societies was this place called Ur, the Chaldeans. It was a little, uh, it was a little well, it was a pretty good-sized city. And it's kind of south of Babylon. It's kind of what we would think of it. And it was the center of, we know now from archaeology and things, of the moon cult. And so the people there in that city was the center. They would worship this moon god. And it's kind of interesting how today you still see effects of that and echoes of um, the crescent moon, the moon worship, and things like that from religion that started a long time ago back there. And so Abraham was part of this culture that worshiped the moon, still had a knowledge of God. And somehow, in the midst of all of that, God calls this guy who, kind of out of um, obscurity, right? Some guy in the middle of nowhere, not in anywhere that we would think of as amazing, out of a very pagan culture, broken culture, and God calls him. And uh, this is what we, we read about that. It says, verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. That's easy for us to read. Can you imagine how hard it would be to hear? Here's a guy living his life in the midst of a culture that's not even worshiping God, right? They acknowledge him, they're not really worshiping him. 
God shows up and says, Abram, I want you to leave everything. I want you to, you know your family? Yeah, and you love them and they love you? Yeah, move away from them. You know your neighbors that you've known your whole life, your community, everything? Yeah, I want you to leave. You know the comforts of this city that you've spent your entire life investing into and all that? Now that you're the age that you're going to retire and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I want you to leave it everything. I want you to go. Now I want you to put in Abraham's shoes just for a second. If God called you to, to, to leave everything you knew, all of your comforts, your entire life, to a whole new life, would you follow? Isn't that what Jesus calls us to do? There was a way that we lived, a way that was comfortable, a life around us. And the call is, you got to die to that, that old life, that old self, and I'm going to bring you to a much better place. But Abraham had it just in the spiritual sense. He had it in a very practical, hey, move. But God gives him a reason for the call. God didn't just say, hey, Abraham, I want you to leave. There's a reason for it. God says in verse 2, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and, I, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And the people of the earth will be blessed through you. Wow. Is that motivating? It's one thing to say move. It's a whole other thing to know why. And God called Abraham. He says, I'm going to call you to a new place. I'm asking you to just trust me. Go, but know this. There's the vision. I'm going to do something so profound in you that it will astonish and bless the entire world. That's pretty compelling. And so Abraham received that. And in verse 4, it says, So Abraham went, and just as the Lord had said to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. And he took his wife, Sari, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Wouldn't that be nice if that was just the whole story? God told Abraham to do something. He believed God. He went, and then he was there. And then we have the next couple chapters that kind of fills it in. It's big. God did something amazing in Abraham, called him to a great faith, gave him a great vision, and then we see God do something amazing through him. How did he get there? Three prerequisites today about powerful faith. The first thing that we see Abraham did, and it's a prerequisite for all faith that's powerful, is this, that powerful faith starts by listening. It listens. Look at verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Abraham, Go from here to your home country, from your people and your father's household. The Lord said, God spoke to him. The thing is, is that oftentimes our, our powerful faith, it fails just like mine did when I was yelling at my Long's Peak in this, is I wasn't listening for God. God never told me to have Long's Peak move. I said I wanted Long's Peak to move because I wanted to demonstrate God's power. Right? I thought that'd be pretty cool. It was my plan, not God's. Powerful faith begins when we hear God's plan. So there's nowhere in Scripture does the Bible ever exhort us to, to believe in ourselves. Right? Nowhere in Scripture says, believe in yourself and you'll get there. That's foolish. The Bible says, die to yourself and follow what God has for you. And then you'll find real life. But don't believe in yourself. Your plans? Well, let's look at what Proverbs has to say, the book of wisdom about our plans. It says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. It just means this. We're all going to come up with our own ideas, what we want to get done in this world, what we think is best. And there's nothing wrong with that. But God's power isn't in any of those things. 
God's power is in his plans. And if you want to have a powerful faith, a faith that, that is in line with God's power, right, we have to be in line with his plans. One of the great things, if you want to see God move mountains, be at a place where God will want to move a mountain. And then when he tells you, hey, I want you to be part of this, then you get to have the good part. But we have to stop this crazy idea of coming up with our own plans and asking God to bless us. God says, no, 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 these are my plans. I made you to be a blessing for them. That's the difference. It begins by listening to God. How do you know what God's plans are? Well, you have to hear him. I mean, Abram was listening, apparently, for God. And that's what it begin with. If you're not even listening for God in your life, how will you even hear him when he speaks? Uh, they're saying, like, Abram, even though he lived in a pagan culture, he knew enough, apparently, to be attuned to God. <laughs> there are lots of times in Scripture where we find the Israelites and then the people of God later on where they would go and do something that seemed sensible and it turned out to be totally boneheaded. And God said, if you just had asked me, I would have told you. We have to begin by asking for God's wisdom and his direction, right? Asking God, what do you want? And remember a couple of years ago, like three years ago now, as I pray for each of you throughout the week, how God convicted me and I changed how I prayed, how I started for years and years and years as I prayed for this congregation, I prayed, God, what can we do? Right? I look at the, the people of our congregation and I believe that God tools us for the work that he wants us to do. And I would look at us and I'd kind of figure it out and I say, God, just direct me. What is it that, that we can do? right? And we set our plans and our budgets and our, our ministries and everything based upon what we could do in our power. And then God brought me that wonderful conviction. He says, Aaron, there's another member of this congregation that you left out. Kind of important. The Holy Spirit. He's kind of a big deal. And he's very gifted, right? That what God's calling us to isn't what the sum total of what we can do, but what we can do in Christ. And when I realized that, I stopped praying for you individually as well. God, you know, build up in their life. Do the maximum. Allow them to, to reach their full potential. No, no, no. I started praying, God, help us to do what you are calling us to do. Lord, what will you have us do? And isn't it amazing then just a couple of years later, then God gives us an amazing vision that is so ridiculously huge that unless he comes up and does something, we're going to fail. It's <laughs> the way it works. But it started because I asked God. I started saying, God, what will you have from us? And when I started asking from him, I invited his plan. And that's the thing about God. If you ask, he will answer. And so the, not only do we listen for God, we've got to listen to him. Now, how do you listen for God and how do you listen to God? Where do you go to do that? Like, I didn't ever have a time in my life where God walked up to me like he did with Abraham. He's never had lunch with me. That would be awesome, Right? And God didn't meet me in the Ur Chaldeas. He didn't show up there and then say and whisper in my ear or shout in my ear, hey, Aaron, do this. It's just not how it works. I've never got an audio kind of voice from God. So how does God speak? Through his word. And through my time in prayer with him as well. That's why having a quiet time, that's having time in the word is so important. You can't listen for God if you don't know what his voice sounds like. Maybe he's already told you and you haven't listened yet. That's why it's so essential that we get into the word and we build a habit of that, which is why we're going through the Bible. If you haven't started yet, download the app, join us in this. We just started last week. It's pretty amazing. And you're going to read about Abraham this week, by the way. It's pretty cool. We listen to him. 
I also would say, not just reading the word, but having a quiet time. And the reason we call it a quiet time is the time that we stop talking. Right? Best conversations are happening when somebody's listening. And we tell God, that's in prayer, we go and we pour out our hearts to him. We tell him all the things that we have, but there has to come a time that we just stop. And we wait for his response. And so in my quiet time, as I read the word, and then I, I think about it, I said, Lord, what did you say in this? What does it mean? How does this apply? Or I have my, my prayer time for you and for just me personally. And I talk to God and I pour out all of my troubles, right? And I tell him, oh, there's this and this and this, and I'm worried about this, and how about that? And I'm blah, 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 right? And then I got to go to work. And uh, so I got to stop talking, but I get to spend the rest of the day, I listen. Because God's heard it. And it's amazing how often he, I, he'll give me an answer right in the word. Or he'll bring somebody alongside who will give me that wisdom, something that is in line with exactly what God has said at exactly the right time and will give me that, that direction. Sometimes I, he gives it to me immediately. Sometimes I have to wait. There's been times I've waited for years for an answer to something that I've talked to him, but it was just the right time. Because when God speaks, he speaks at the perfect time. But you have to give him room to speak, don't we? Which is why building that habit is so essential. So we listen for God, and when he talks, then we have to listen to him. Sometimes God tells us stuff that we don't want to hear. Have you ever had that happen? If you haven't, maybe you're not listening to God. <laughs> right? Why would we need God's direction if he's not going to tell us anything different than we already would have done anyway? Why would we need the good word if we were so good on the inside we were just naturally would apply it, uh, apply it right? Just do it perfectly. God speaks to us, and he's going to tell us things. And when he tells us, we have to, to listen to him. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay. This is what you want. And so this is important for us. We recognize we don't want to listen to ourselves. Don't we all have a voice in our, our head that kind of tells us what we want to hear all the time? Gives us our own plans. That voice is loud, and it's sneaky. Right? It's, there, our hearts, it says, kind of, they deceive us. They say, this is the best idea, Aaron. This is, you're a genius. Everybody should love this idea. This is what you need to do in your life. And, and that's not at all what God wants. Got to listen to what God wants. And there's some things that are good checks for me. The first one is that God never contradicts himself. He's not schizophrenic. He's not crazy. God is a good counselor. He's a wonderful counselor, Right? He knows what he's talking about, and he's revealed stuff to us in his word, and God will never reveal something to us that's in contradiction to his word that's already out there. And so many times, I think in my life, where God, selfishly or just out of pain, I want God to tell me something that's not according to what he has here, right? I remember early on, I've shared that story when, we, um, when Adi and I were going through a pretty difficult time with our finances and our health and things like that. We were in the hospital bed, and she was waiting there, and I didn't have the money to, to pay both our for her medicine and also give our tithe and uh, how I was really struggling in my faith and I wanted God to tell me, no, 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 this is okay. You, you don't need to trust. You, you, you take care of yourself. This is that's okay. But that's a contradiction to his word. God said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Trust me, I'll take care of you. That's what his word said. I didn't want to hear that. I did not want to hear that at all. Not even a little. I was mad at God for saying that. I was like, no, because now I feel conviction. 
I heard what you said. I didn't like it. But at least I recognized what he said. God tells us what we don't want to hear oftentimes, but it's always for our good. It's to do with the relationship or your business or with your own health or your life. There are oftentimes God calls us to things that seem ridiculously hard, too hard for you, right? Dare I say impossible? Yeah, that's the point. Don't forget that we've got another member in this congregation. He's pretty darn powerful. You have got a partner in life who's pretty darn powerful. And he's going to call you to things that are bigger than you. Right? Otherwise, I think God would get bored. Why would he give you stuff that you could just do on your own? We'd never need him. You'd never see him in life. You'd never get to do life with him. He's going to call us to difficult things. Impossible things. Scary things. Things that make our stomach churn. Things that make us go like, God, you've got to show up. <laughs> kind of like when God called Abram and said, you're going to leave everything and you're going to go to a new place. How ridiculous that would seem at 75? If God didn't show up, Abraham would look like a massive fool. Massive. Everyone laugh at him. Worse than that, he would have hurt his family, his wife, and all of those that came with him. And by doing this ridiculous thing, if God didn't show up, they would laugh at God. There's a huge risk to it. But God spoke, and it was undeniable. He spoke, and he spoke what he, his word. He was consistent with what God was wanting to do. Which is the other part with me is a good check. When God tells me to do what I want to do, it might not be God saying it. And that is, it's a real deal. And as Christians, we oftentimes spiritualize our own decisions, our own desires. Oh, I prayed about it, and the Lord has, has told me to, you know, do something ridiculous. I need to get away from this family because it's not feeding my soul. Well, God says that to yourself. You made a commitment. He's going to work in you. He's going to carry you through it. God says to get away from this congregation because, you know, it's not perfect. Well, guess what? You're not perfect either. That's the whole point. We need each other. But he says, be part of a congregation. Be part of my family. I'm, I'm going to stop, uh, you know, I'm going to stop serving God. Because it doesn't matter. God says, I don't care if you think it matters. You do this. God calls us to difficult things all the time. I don't even think pastors. It drives me nuts. Sometimes pastors will go before their congregation and say, the Lord has called me to this other congregation that's much bigger and I get a bigger paycheck and I don't have all the problems that I have here. Oh, the Lord called you to that. It's not as wrong to go there, but don't pin this on him. I'll tell you where the Lord's going to call you. Go to the broken congregation and the people that are difficult so you can see God's power. If God is going to speak, that's probably where he's going to call you. He doesn't need to tell you to go to the bigger congregation. You can do that on your own and he won't stop you and maybe it's okay with him. But let's stop this silly nonsense of saying God called me to do what I really wanted to do. He's not going to do that. <laughs> God speaks, and when he speaks, it's for us to say, Lord, I hear you. I hear you. And most of the time when God speaks, he calls us to the craziest things, the hardest things, the impossible things. He invites us across the water. So we can see his power in our life. So the world can see his power through us. That we couldn't take credit for the amazing thing he's doing. You gotta listen to him. And to listen to him, you gotta be listening for him. But as we hear him and when God speaks, the second thing we gotta do, we gotta trust him. And this is hard. Because this is when it, it leaves the whole idea of, of just in our mind saying, okay, God, did, are you real? 
says, no, God is real and he did speak, but is he powerful? Is he who he claims to be? Does God have the ability to do these ridiculous things that he calls these very common, ordinary people like me to do? Once he speaks, we have to trust. And knowing that that call is intimidating, that makes it even more, more important. God's not going to call you to trust in yourself. That only feeds your self-narcissism. I'm enough. God wants you to know that we all sinned. We all fell short. He didn't make us to do this world without him. He says, it's, it's not that I didn't make you to be enough on your own. I made you to be part of something amazing. And I want you to find that power, that joy, the significance of being with him. So we need to follow him. In Hebrews 11, we read about Abraham as he, as he received this call. Right? We can get the, just the short portion in our passage, but in Hebrews it says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place which he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Get this is the part that amazes me. Even though he did not know where he was going. What? That's hard enough if it's you, but he had a wife to bring. And a bunch of other people. Let's pack up and move. Why? God told me. Great. Where are we going? I don't know. That's a fun conversation. I think oftentimes we're like, God, we're going to go. You've given us a vision. You want us to do things, but I'm only going to go when I have the map. When you showed me not only the deed of the land that you're going to have signed over for me, I want to make sure it exists first, right? But I also want you to show me along the path, this is where I want you to go. And these are the rest stops you're going to stay at. And here's the hotels. And here's the, here's the you know, money you're going to need for all of that. So I know in advance I'm taken care of. That's not how he works. He said, let's go on a road trip. I know where we're going. I know where we're staying. I'm going to guide you. Abraham had a massive amount of faith. Sell everything, right? And start walking. Which direction? I don't know. I guess if we're going the wrong way, God will show us. <laughs> When will we get there? I don't know. God will have to show us. Is God enough? If God is so wise and powerful that he could create the universe, that he could figure a way, a solution out to saving us from our sins, seemed to just a, that is a massive impossibility. If he's so competent that he's able to rejuvenate our souls and give us new bodies and create a whole new paradise for us to, to go towards. If he can fix this broken world, do you think that he might have the wisdom, the capacity to, I don't know, help guide you? If God, throughout all of history, has done this amazing work, do you think he's going to allow you to miss it? You're like, oops, I forgot to tell them to take the exit. God's competent. He's very competent. He tells you to move. You need to start moving. You need to trust that he's going to do it. Now as you're moving, he might tell you, stop, move. You've got to be listening. We've got to trust him. Nothing great in this world will ever happen if we just wait for our own understanding, our own power. We've got to trust God. He'll give us enough. And so we see, like Abraham, he, what was the, the guidance he had? Hey, get up and move. You and your household, just go. Abraham trusted God. And He went. And that leads to the third thing that's a prerequisite for powerful faith. You're not going to have powerful faith if you don't listen. You don't have powerful faith if you're not trusting that God's enough that he can do it. But the third one is a powerful faith acts. You've got to do something about it. 
If God calls you to do something, no matter ridiculous or hard it is, you got to do something, right? You have to obey. Abraham heard God's call, undeniably. The Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country. Abraham heard him. You're going to go to these things. I'm going to make you a great nation. and going to do all these amazing miracles in you that is absolutely impossible. Okay, I believe you, God. I trust that you're enough. But I'm going to stay right here. You know, it's interesting that God didn't call Abraham and then just instantly zap him into the, to the new land, right? He didn't just zap him to Israel, you know, the promised land, right? And have a nice palace and had all kinds of kids. I mean, he could have done that. Isn't he powerful enough to speak everything into existence? He could have just said, Abraham, I'm going to move you and you're going to have all these kids. You're going to be a great nation. I'm going to do this. And then poof, Abraham was there. Just do the whole genie thing. He didn't do that. Abraham believed God, and then what did he do? His first steps towards the promised land were back home. He had to go home and tell Sarah, his wife, I heard from God today, and you won't believe what he said. He had to go and rent camels, or buy them. I don't know, that wasn't back then. Right? He had to go get, pack up stuff, have his garage sale. He do all that stuff. People ask, Abe, why are you leaving? God to- spoke to me. Oh, right? I imagine there was a little bit of doubt. The moon God? No, 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 the real God. He called me. Where are you going? I don't know. His first steps had to go back home. and He did very practical things. He set up a budget. He had to figure out where we're going to go. Sure, he pulled out a map. Where are we going? I don't know. Well, where can we go? Well, there's desert there, so let's not go there. If God's calling us a desert, I don't want to go there. So let's go north. And they went north, and they got to Haran, and then God said, I want you to go back down south. Okay, God guided him. But he took Acts. Every single step was a step of faith, wasn't it? And that's how it works. God didn't just zap him there because the miracle that God was doing wasn't the fact that he just zapped Abraham in this easy thing. that We, we get to see the highlights of his life, but there are decades that pass in between those chapters. Day after day after day, trusting God to come through and yet not seeing the promise yet, but taking that next step. So when God speaks, we have responsibility now. And we can trust Him, and that trust then needs to be borne out of our actions, doesn't it? And we all have that choice. Think about um, the people of Israel that God called out of Egypt. They were in bondage and slavery and all that. And he sends Moses there and they do the plagues and they do all this kind of stuff. And, and, and they get to see God's power bring that mighty nation to its knees. And then they leave and they loot the country as they go. People are giving them all kinds of stuff saying, please take this and go. They get to the Red Sea. And then they see God open up the Red Sea and let them go through. And God decimate the most powerful military force the world had seen up to that point. And they didn't have to do anything. They saw God do that. They saw God lead them to the mountain. They saw the fire on top. They saw the, the, the very same, the rocks, the tablets that God carved with his own hands. They saw that with their own eyes. They saw the power of God, that the fire by day and the cloud, or fire by night and the cloud by day leading them, right? They got to follow God and they heard his promise and they heard his voice, Right? I mean, you would think that they, they, they were eating the very manna from heaven, keeping them sustained. They saw the power of God immense, immensely. And they, God says, I'm going to bring you to a promised land. This is what I want from you. 
I've done all of this, and I want to bring you to something great. And they got all the way up, toes in the water on the Jordan, ready to cross. And they lost their nerve. They failed to take that next step. They failed to trust God. They failed to act. And so what happened? Well, God said, well, okay, we'll give that promise to somebody else. The amazing thing about God, as you read in Scripture, you'll get there in a couple weeks, is God didn't abandon them. He didn't leave them nor forsake them. No, lovingly, patiently, he wandered around the desert with them for 40 years until that generation passed away. And he gave that offer then to the next generation to say, hey, you can do this. Do you understand when God gives you a call, an opportunity, there's something required of us. We have to act. We actually have to have faith and do it. And if we don't, he's not going to be faithless. He'll, he won't abandon us, but the promise will go to somebody else. We get reminded of that in that book of Esther. Just at such a time as this. But you know what? If you don't trust God in this, then God is going to call somebody else. How about the rich young ruler? Remember that story in the New Testament? Here's a man, his entire life, wanting to serve God, honor him, everything. Up to that point, the Messiah shows up. He recognizes it's the Messiah. He goes right up to Jesus, the Messiah. He says, everything I've done is to worship God and to serve you and all of this. And Jesus said, absolutely. And I find in you a man of, of great faith. And there's one thing that's lacking, is you're still depending on yourself. So sell all your stuff. Give it to the poor, and then you can follow me. Toes on the Jordan. And the man lost his faith, lost his nerve. And we don't name our kids after him today. He was that close. You know that God's calling us to something, and he's calling you to something big. And he's going to be faithful. The question, are you going to be faithful? Powerful faith acts. It obeys God. It trusts him in the impossible. When I was sitting on that hospital bed with Amy, and God brought that conviction into her, and luckily she was able to speak a strength of faith in my life, saying, well, if we, give, <laughs> if we don't trust God, then, then what hope do we have? And that was enough. And even though I didn't want to, I continued to say, no, God, I'm going to give you my tithe, because I'm seeking first your kingdom and righteousness. We walked out of the hospital that next day. God worked miraculously. We had all of her medicine that she needed for quite a while. And God just did something amazing, but I had to go through that next step. I had to trust him. And if he didn't come through, I didn't know what was going to happen. But I knew my God was faithful. And he's just as faithful for you. You will see his miracles in your life if you trust him. You'll see him do what no one else can do. This is why in Genesis 12, 4, we see that one of the greatest miracles is this. After Abraham received this ridiculous promise, it says, Abraham went as the Lord had told him. That's the example. If God calls us, will we go? And so, all we recognize in our life is this. Faith is what's required. Even as small as a mustard seed. Faith that's enough to say, okay, today I'm going to get up. I'm going to take another step towards the promised land. One more day, I'm going to work towards what God has called me to do. One more day, doing, living the life that he's called me to live. One more day. And just trusting that there's an end. He's bringing you to something. That's all that's required. And so Abraham heard God and he packed. James writes about this. He says, so you see, his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And James is talking about Abraham here. Now he's talking about a different time in Abraham's life when he got to see his son 
finally born after years and years and years, but it's the same faith. You want to see God work in your life? You got to listen to him. You got to trust him. You got to obey him. But as we do, God does the most crazy things, the most amazing things. And so I always say this, the powerful faith though, always begins with an active faith. Not a faith that comes to church and just listens. Not a faith that just reads the book and says, oh, well, that's pretty good. Not a faith that says, God, okay, I hear you. But a faith that's willing to say, God, if you call me, I will go. As hard and as scary as it is, I'm going to go. And when I fall, I'm going to get back up. Which is why you look at our, in the New Testament, God has given us ways he wants us to express our faith in him, right? It tells us to believe. But you know, the word believe, the Greek there is a special kind of, of Greek verb. It's called an aorist. It's not a one-time event. It's not like you just believed once and then poof, now you're done. It, it seems an aorist means it has a beginning point, but it just keeps going. God wants you to continue to believe in him. When you have doubts, to trust him every single step, every single day. How about repentance? That's an expression of faith, isn't it? Do you know that repentance and we're called to it as an expression of faith is also an aorist? That there's not just like one point in your life you turn to Jesus and now it's all good? Like every single day we have to get back on that path and say, God, your way, not mine. <laughs> and when I mess up, God, your way, not mine. <laughs> now how about confession? Confession is not magic word. It's not a one-time event. It's an aorist. The verb is there. God says, I want you to, to identify with me. You have the privilege of identifying with me. Not just once. It's not like I said magic words and hocus pocus. Now I'm just a saintly man. No, every day. I have the privilege of identifying with my Lord and Savior, inviting him into my life, clothing myself in Christ, saying, nah, not my life any longer, but his. I'm doing, I'm, I'm going upon his plan, not mine. Every day, an expression of faith. Abraham did it. He didn't just poof to the promised land. There was decades he had to walk, decades. And next week, we're going to talk about the power of an enduring faith and how we have a faith that endures to the very end, a faith that carries us not just today, but the next step and the next step and the next step till we get there. So we don't stop with our toes in the Jordan, but we cross into with the beauty and the glory that God has called us to. That's a powerful faith. That's a faith that doesn't just move mountains. That's a faith that moves these mountains. It's a faith that changes us as it changes the world. That's what he calls us to. But the prerequisites, if you want to have a powerful faith, not just a faith that just goes out and screams at mountains like some kind of crazy kid, a faith that actually has the ability to change you and this world, it starts with this. You've got to be listening to God. You got to begin trusting God, obeying Him, faith that acts. And so, let's talk about today. Our our next steps today, our connection card, as I always kind of lead you to a next step of action. That's what it's all about. I'm going to challenge us as a church. Let's begin there. Let's begin by giving ourselves those prerequisites. Let's build into ourselves this community, the ability to start listening to God trusting him and doing what he says. And so if you have your connection card on the back side, there's some things, small steps, nothing huge, even very small, but little steps take us to great places as long as we're walking with, on the right path. So here's some things you might want to do this week. The first one is maybe you want to memorize Matthew 17, 20. Forgetting that crazy notion that it's all about your power. Like if you have enough faith, then you're going to have enough power to move things. No, no, no. You have faith even as tiny as a mustard seed. God is going to move this mountain. He's called you to something amazing. He's called us to something amazing. And we're not going to look at that task and be intimidated by it. Because God said to that mountain, move. 
It's his power, but he's given us the authority to be able to use that power. Isn't that amazing? So maybe you spend some time this week and you begin memorizing that because maybe there's mountains in your life that God's calling you to move as well. Know God's word, it is powerful. Maybe the next thing you want to do so you can be listening to God is then you, you need to, to start or maybe start keeping your quiet time. If you started reading the scriptures for the week, do it on another week. If you haven't started yet, let's start this week. Let's get in the word to spend some time with him. Say, I'm going to spend time learning to listen to God. Or maybe for you this week, it's, it's to, to pray for our church community. We don't want to do our plan. We want to do God's plan. We don't want to do what we think we should do. We want to do what God tells us to do, which means that we need to be listening for him. So can you pray for us? Can you pray that God makes us the right kind of people to receive what he wants us to do, that we can listen to him? Can you pray for our community as well, the ministry that God has called us to do in Estes Park, that he prepares the community for the work he's about to do? God works powerfully when we ask him. So maybe you can do that with us this week. Or how about this? Maybe for you, it's to attend the next four weeks. To be here as we talk about powerful faith. We talked about prerequisites today. Next, we got some really cool stuff about how that faith endures and then how that faith works. And then finally, the last week, we're going to talk about the vision that God has called us to and how we're going to get there. So if you want to be part of that, say, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to commit to this. And as you commit to God, let him do amazing things in you. If you have any other commitments to make, let me know. If you have a prayer request, let me pray with you. It's been amazing to see how God has worked this last year. He's still at work today. So if you let me pray with you, that would be a joy. Write that down and here in a minute. We're going to take our offering. And when we take our offering, as the baskets are passed, take your tithes, your offerings, put it in the offering basket along with your, your connection card. You can take your memory verse, like I'm doing right now, put it in your pocket, your wallet, or something like that. Keep it with you this week. But take this, drop it in the offering basket as an expression of your dependence upon God. First small act of faith today. Let me pray for you as you do that, and then we'll let Zach and the worship band close us with some great worship. Let's, let's pray. Father God, your blessing we ask fall upon this congregation. Lord, not that, that you would bless our desires, but Father, that you would allow us to be a blessing to yours. Lord, uh, I, I know that you've called each one of us to follow you, to walk away from our old life and, and into the enormous and amazing new life that you have designed for us. So give us the courage to trust you and to obey. Father, I pray that your word would come alive in our hearts this week, that we invite the conviction of your Holy Spirit to show us what is wrong in our lives (laughs) and to teach us how to do what's right. Lord, as we do that, may we be a blessing to you. Keep our path straight as we obey you. Father, take these commitments that we made today, not as just an act of legalism, but Father, as a step, an expression of our faith in you to do what only you can do. And Father, as we keep these things, may we find you partnering with you this week. And Lord, I pray too for this series, that as we go through this time, that you would allow us to have our ears opened and our eyes opened and our spirits quickened to receive what you have for us so that we can follow you with boldness and with joy. And Lord, as we also give you today our our offerings, our tithes, Lord, these are expressions of our faith in you, of worship in you. Please accept them, receive them, bless them, we would ask, multiply them for the use of your kingdom, for your glory. We pray all of this in the wonderful name of our Messiah, our Savior Jesus. Amen.